From the American College of Cardiology, this is Dr. Kim Eagle, ACC.org Editor-in-Chief. With this week's Eagle's Eye View, this is your weekly cardiovascular update from ACC.org. And this is being recorded on March 4th, 2019. I've picked three articles today to briefly go over with you. Two of them relate to the question of whether we should uh, anticoagulate patients with cancer to reduce the risk of venous thromboembolism and pulmonary embolism. And the other one is an update on heart disease and stroke uh, statistics, the 2019 update, which I think is useful to review every year as we think about the various types of challenges that we have in fighting cardiovascular disease in our country. So let's start there. This is the AHA 2019 heart disease and stroke stats. As you know, cardiovascular disease remains the leading cause of death in the United States, responsible for almost 850,000 deaths in 2016. Thankfully, due to largely efforts in prevention, from 2006 to 2016, the U.S. death rate from cardiovascular disease dropped by almost 19%, and from coronary heart disease by nearly 32%. Nevertheless, it remains the leading cause of death in our nation. The annual cost, of course, of cardiovascular disease in the U.S. is enormous, estimated at $350 billion in uh, 2014 and 15. And about every 40 seconds, an American will have a myocardial infarction, the average age being about 65 years for men and 72 years for women. In 2019, it's estimated that uh, there will be roughly a million individuals who have a coronary event including about three-quarters of a million with a new event and the rest recurrent coronary events. In 2017, out-of-cardiac arrest occurred in about 350,000 Americans. EMS treatment was initiated in about half, and only um, about 10% survived to discharge. Heart failure, of course, is becoming more common. Six million Americans have it and newly hospitalized heart failure is increasing. About half of the cases of heart failure have reduced EF and the other half preserved EF. Currently, there are nearly 4,000 Americans on a waiting list for heart transplantation. Interestingly, also every 40 seconds on average, an American will have a stroke, and there are about 800,000 Americans who have a new or recurrent stroke every year. Interestingly, 90% of stroke risk is due to modifiable risk factors, and 75% is due to behavioral risk factors. Atrial fibrillation is present in about 5 million Americans and has led to around 450 hospitalizations per year. And a sobering statistic, uh, the admissions for intravenous drug-related endocarditis have increased parallel with the national opioid crisis. Pulmonary embolism is also a major issue for our country, and there's about 180,000 U.S. hospitalizations per year for that. Hospital readmission reduction programs appear to have been successful in reducing 30-day and one-year hospitalization rates, but some studies have actually suggested that this could have been at the expense of an increase in 30-day and one-year mortality. Cardiac caths, about a million per year. PCIs, half a million per year, pacemakers, 350,000, ICD, 60,000, cabbages, about 370,000, and heart transplants, about 3,200. 
current prevalences of risk factors continue to be a challenge for us, smoking about 15%, obesity in adults 40%, and in youth nearly 20%. LDL cholesterol's above 130 at 28%. Hypertension, 45% of adults have it. And diabetes diagnosed in 10% and undiagnosed in about 4%. The number of Americans who are achieving uh, recommended exercise in our nation continues to be poor with about one in five attaining it. So some good news in terms of uh, coronary risk reduction, but uh, still major challenges for us in the cardiovascular field. I'm going to switch gears now, and there are two trials that were published last week in the New England Journal looking at the potential value of oral anticoagulation to prevent venous thromboembolism in high-risk ambulatory cancer patients. There are two trials. The first one was called AVERT, this was a study that looked at whether apixaban was superior to placebo at preventing venous thromboembolism. The study was a randomized trial in patients with active cancer who were at elevated risk for venous thromboembolism, randomized to apixaban 2.5 milligrams twice daily or placebo, roughly 300 patients in each group, duration of follow-up 6 months, mean age 61, and about 60% uh, were women. They excluded patients, of course, who had increased risk of bleeding or individual with skin cancer or acute leukemia or myeloproliferative neoplasms or planned stem cell transplant, also patients with limited life expectancy or individuals where you might expect a high risk of bleeding like renal insufficiency, low platelet count, uh, women who might be pregnant or potentially pregnant, and low-weight individuals less than 88 pounds. The uh, primary efficacy outcome was venous thromboembolism, and it occurred in 4.2% of the apixaban group and about 10% of placebo. That was significant. The safety outcome, major bleeding, occurred in 3.5% of the apixaban group and 1.8% of the placebo group. All-cause mortality was not different. So the authors concluded that in active cancer patients undergoing chemotherapy, Apixaban does reduce venous thromboembolism compared to placebo, but also increased major bleeding, and there was no mortality difference. The second trial published in the same issue of New England Journal was called the Cassini trial, and this was also double-blind randomized trial in high-risk ambulatory patients with cancer. This was a somewhat larger trial. It included uh, 841 patients. They did pre-screening in a larger group of patients and found about 4.5% of patients who had thrombosis in a deep vein and therefore were excluded. So this particular study then randomized these 841 patients to take rivaroxaban versus placebo. If we looked again at six-month outcomes, the group that received uh, rivaroxaban had an incidence of primary endpoint in 6%, and in the placebo group, it was roughly uh, 9%. This did not reach uh, statistical significance. Major bleeding occurred with a slightly higher frequency, but non-significant in the rivaroxaban group. When you boil this trial down a little bit deeper, in some ways it was uh, similar to AVERT. That is, if you looked at thromboembolism-related death, there were three of those in the placebo arm and one of those in the rivaroxaban group. But when you looked at primary endpoint of major bleeding, there were twice as many in the rivaroxaban group as in the placebo group. So I think both of these trials suggest 
first of all, that venous thromboembolism remains a significant problem in cancer patients, and it looks like uh, anticoagulation potentially can reduce the risk, but and at expense, and that is the risk of major bleeding. So we're going to need better specification of exactly who will receive the major benefit, particularly the risk of uh, life-threatening venous thromboembolism before we have a clear answer. So I wanted to thank you for uh, listening to Eagle's Eye View. This is your uh, weekly cardiovascular update from acc.org. You can find uh, these trial summaries online on our website. And also look for a new educational catalog that is featured on acc.org. It's located under the Education and Meetings tab. Using this tool, you can find our various educational offerings. Many of them, of course, are free. And we're excited. Just two weeks from now, we'll be at the uh, 2019 ACC National Meeting in New Orleans and uh, look forward to seeing many of our listeners there. And until next week, I hope you have a good one. Thank you.